Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using muzzle sticks, big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do. Clearly marking a gun status communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners. Head over to muzzlestick.com. That's M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com today to place your order. After all, we all only have but one life. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Got so much to talk about, Victor. I think we might as well begin our episode by talking about White House boobs. And let's wait, do wait, that. wait, 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 wait. Our listeners. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Boobs. You mean like dummies or dummies. like, <laughs> yeah, or well, like, maybe even maybe both. You mean maybe like we'll... what Red Fox used to call breastuses? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the plural in Latin? <laughs> All right. We'll get to that. Both the, of those kind of boobs, right? Ma, after... ma, mastoi in Greek. Oh, uh, well, mastus in Latin, and then I think it's tithos in um, from which we obviously get a word in English. Tithos, tithoi in Greek. Okay, folks, we haven't even begun discussion. You've already gotten your classics language lesson today. All right, we'll be we'll be we will be right back talking about this crazy stuff at the White House right after these important messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, I know. Well, way, I just listen. thought maybe it might be Mamilla. I, I, I want to correct that because that's a Greek transliteration. Tithos, oh. tithos in Greek. I think it's Mamilla in Latin. But oh. there is there is a word that's derivative of masters. Or maybe it's pectus if it's well, because we're in a transgender community. I'm sure that there's chest, right? Yeah. Pe- pectus is a is a man's yeah. chest. And I think a mamilla is a woman's breast. But I'm, I'll, it's been a, I'll have well, to there, check. I'll check that. There was a guy. There was a pectus, uh, enlarged pectus revealed at the White House um, at its pr- pride celebration. Victor, the, the video has a 55 second, nearly a minute video guy. Pulling his shirt up, showing his uh, surgically enhanced chest. Uh, Rose Montoya, a trans transsexual, uh, who in the last few days, um, I think actually maybe yesterday, from when we're recording, uh, the White House did did uh, say, well, that was inappropriate, and he apologized in the most one of those kind of weird twenty first century apologies. Victor, he apologized for his trans joy. And he apologized for how impactful his actions were uh, and more of that kind of uh, garbage. And then separately, Victor, we had the president of the United States having another event at the White House um, uh, Rose Garden or whatever, backyard, uh, with Eva Longora, the actress who who was uh, having a screening of some movie and the president walked out. Uh, with his wife holding his wife uh, hand in one hand and holding Evelyn Gore's looked a little more intimate than he was holding his wife's hand. And then there's a a picture of Joe Biden doing one of his weird way too close to a woman s- squeezing up the sides of Evelyn Gore's whatever you call it mammalia's uh, in Latin or in, anyway. Victor, you you saw this yet another example of creepy Joe. Oddness, at bizarreness, foulness, actually, at the White House with the with the trans uh, uh, lunacy that went on there. Uh, are we surprised, Victor? No, we're not. It's one of those iconic moments. Uh, St. Jerome talks about grass growing, growing in the forum. And uh, Sfratzes writes about the Roman form around, as I said, 480, 470, uh, excuse me. Yeah, about four, no, a little earlier in the 400s. And then we've got the historian Sfrastes, who's Sfrastes. He's a Byzantine historian, talks about huge fields of weeds within the great walls of the Theodician walls in Constantinople. And, you know, Camelot, the riding in with a horse on the round table. It's one of those, the decline of the United States, when you have a transsexual person or transgendered or whatever we call them, lifting his 
is uh, I, I guess that was those were false breasts or they were induced by hormonal treatments. But that was right at the White House. I mean, not since Barack Obama's uh, guest ankle bracelet went off. Have we seen something so gross in the White House? Yeah. So and this is very funny because these are the people who criticized Donald Trump for supposedly introducing Jacksonian crudity into the White House. But so you just expect that Joe's out. of He he. he he has two things on his mind all the time, younger women and getting catching a cheap feel and ice cream. And that's all you need to know. And then whatever they put in his teleprompter, he will try to mutter on through. We can't do it anymore, but he tries. So with that Langora, it was very funny. They I saw a Twitter where they a tape. I think it was on Twitter where they did it in slow motion. It was the typical Biden technique. He put his arm around her back and then he kind of slides over and cops a cheap feel on the side of her breast and then the motion by which he sweeps to let go of his creepy embrace slows down as he hits the breast you know so it shows the mark of an amateur i mean a professional he's no amateur he knows how to do that and that's of course what in the 2000 if you remember the 2019 20 campaign there were a lot of women came forward and said that's what he does and just imagine if Donald Trump had done that. It's we we saw the you know he he didn't he said you know the access Hollywood tape was gross, but that almost ended his campaign. But he never can. I don't think anybody can ever think of him in the White House doing anything like that. So it's it's you know it's that Tucker as it episode four that Tucker had on about how. There is no press corps now that they, all they do is just overlook things that are so egregious. Anybody else would right. would be treated with a career ending embarrassment. But with Biden, they're all acculturated to say that he's on the team and this is the progressive project. And you there's no such thing as he's senile or he's a pervert or any of this. And so it was really he's going to do more of it. I think I've been saying that. Somebody wrote me an email about a month ago and said, Victor, I'm so tired of you saying that Biden is declining at a geometric rather than arithmetic rate. If that was true, he'd be senile now. No, as you get closer to the point, it's harder and harder and harder. I mean, geometric means he's doubling, doubling, but you never quite get to the end because you keep having the distance. But my point is that I, I think by Christmas, he will be dysfunctional. By that, I mean, you can't put him on the stage by himself. He won't know where to go. He'll trip again. He'll fall. He'll have a walker or he will say things that make absolutely no sense. Victor, None. you know, at this Longora event, it was actually like Jill Biden that gave the speech. And of course, Joe Biden was there. He said something creepy. Uh, to her, uh, she about Longoria. She was I've known her a long time. She I saw that, yeah, forty. But what it was Jill, Jill Biden who Jill who carried the water because him speaking is as he gave some address the other night at the. Well, look the, look at her choices. Her choices to fade away from the spotlight, and she's no longer Doctor Jill Biden, and live with him for another ten years in obscurity or be famous Jill Biden and get all the limelight and have to put up with him and the embarrassment. But her job is she's becoming Edith Wilson and he's Woodrow Wilson, only he's not yet prone. And we've already had that experience in, you know, 19, 
19, where the president of the United States was dysfunctional for 10 months and Edith Wilson made a guard around him and the doctor lied about his case. And that's pretty much everybody think oh, that would never happen again. How could you have the White House physician hiding that he was stroke and he was impaired? And Edith Wilson basically we're doing it right now. And if there was any if there is such a thing anymore as a White House physician and they examine him, the first thing he'd do would give him the Montreal cognitive assessment. And on that, he wouldn't know the difference between a dromedary and a camel, one or two moms, you know, two or one. And he wouldn't pass that. And I've seen that that test. It's not easy, but Trump got all of them right. I don't think he'd get one right. So they're not going to have any cognitive assessment on him. Um, this is a pattern with the Democratic Party, with Dianne Feinstein and Fetterman. All you have to do is have your physical presence there somehow in any state whatsoever. And then the people will write the script and the puppeteers, and that's how they operate. There is no individual in what I'm saying. It's all the right. collect collective. It's really uh, cre creepy Soviet-like. That he's just a spokesman for the party line. And, and weirdly gave some other talk the other day about building a bridge over the Pacific Ocean or the Indian Ocean. In, in, Indian Ocean. Yeah, he's going to build a railroad, wasn't it? It's insane. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, the other, the yin to his yang, Not we didn't discuss this in advance. I saw John Fetterman at some Senate hearing. This week, I think people have heard about this accident in Philadelphia or fire where part of 95, I-95 yeah. major throughway fell down. And John Fetterman was given a softball by the chairman of the Senate committee to talk about this. It's his home state. He he belongs back in the hospital. And uh, well, he is in a hospital. The Senate is kind of a creepy hospital. I think <laughs> the, kind of, the kind of people that are in it. But yeah. I mean. I, I don't know what you. I don't know who is in worse shape: Fetterman, Feinstein, or Biden. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, when you have people who are not in bad shape, like AOC in the House or Adam Schiff, what difference does it make? They're still yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, well, we still have another Biden to talk about, uh, Victor, and that is. Um, well, we'll still talk about Joe, the big guy, and Hunter, and we'll do that right after this important message. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'd like to remind our listeners that Victor has an official website. It's the Blade of Perseus. The web address is victorhanson.com. Please do visit it. If you haven't been there before and you're a fan of Victor's, well, you've, you've been missing out. When you go there, you'll find that there are certain articles he's written that are titled Ultra. You'll click on them. You won't be able to read them. Why? Because they're for subscription. Uh, $5, very reasonable, very uh, very, uh, very cheap, uh, $50 for the entire year. But Victor writes a tremendous amount of privileged content, exclusive content for the Blade of Perseus. So uh, check that out. And you'll also find archives of this podcast with myself, with the great Sammy Wink, uh, uh, links to Victor's books, his uh, syndicated column, links to that, to his American Greatness pieces. So that's the Blade of Perseus, victorhanson.com. Uh, this web, this uh, website, excuse me, this podcast has an official home, and that's uh, justthenews.com, which is run by the great John Solomon. Visit that if you're on Twitter. Victor's handle is at VD Hansen. Victor, I'm going to uh, point out here um, a um, headline from the Daily Mail. Will Hunter Biden's business partner dish on the Burisma bribe? Devin Archer is cooperating with Republicans over alleged $10 million payment to the first family. Uh, he is the, um, the, the, he's made 17 uh, audio recordings of conversations between himself, this is Devin Archer, and uh, Hunter, and a few of them allegedly with Joe Biden uh, while he was vice president. The uh, uh, various House Republican efforts to investigate Hunter's or the Corleone family here, the, the Biden Corleone enterprise, um, say again, like per this headline, that Archer is cooperating. I don't know, Victor, the news seems to be tightening. But as you said earlier, also, aren't you going to use our, who's reporting on it? Yeah, go ahead. We can play the left and Robert Mueller, the, the bomb, bomb, another bombshell. The walls are closing in. But this is real because uh, there's too many sources of information. And by that, I mean, there's the Biden family in the middle. And then you have the contents of the laptop, big guy, 10 percent. Etc. And then you have the the firsthand witnesses that have in various to know a Biden is to be screwed over by a Biden. So Bobolinsky, Archer, you have that line that goes into the center. And then you have the Ukrainian line, and they're not dumb. They are past masters of bribing people. And when they bribe somebody, they're like the mafia, they own you. So when Joe Biden, being Mr. Blowhard from Delaware, probably got in and started trying to charm this guy. And like he did, remember the Council on Foreign Relations event he was at and said, son of a bitch, I got him fired. <laughs> that kind of bluster that Joe talks about or the would-be Roger Staubach at the Naval Academy, all that stuff. It doesn't cut it with the Ukrainians. All they say is, look, here's $5 million. Here's $5 million for Hunter. You have a deal or not. And then they record it. And that's probably what happened. I think that there's some reason to believe that that allegation is true. So you got that line of evidence. You've got personal people that did business with them. You've got the laptop. And then we have these IRS whistleblowers. But somebody, until they were fired, 
was trying to correlate Biden expenditures or Biden lifestyles with reported income, and they probably didn't sync. So that's another avenue. So when you put them all and then, you know, you put them all together, the FBI had that document for over, what, two years, two or three years that they knew about it. And so there's a lot of things that are converging on Joe Biden. And all the, the question now, Jack, is not, is Joe Biden corrupt? He always was corrupt. Is he a mean son of a bitch? Yes, excuse me. He was. He always was. Is he racist? Yes. He always said racially things, things that were just abject racist. First clean black, first articulate black, put you all in chains. Look at my corn. I took a, I stood off with corn pop. Oh, black kids touch my golden hairs on my leg. Junkie, you ain't black. All of that. But now we we knew all that, but now it's all converging on him. And the only question that we don't have is what's the Democrats' attitude? Because they've weaponized the government. And at some point, and you talked about his speeches more more recently where he can't finish the sentence. If you've got a candidate and he thinks he's going to build a train across the Indian Ocean, you've got problems. And he can't he, he has something wrong. I don't know if it's reflux or it's congestive heart failure, but he he cannot pronounce words anymore. You know what I mean? It's this hoarseness that just all comes out. It's if I it is is a, a, that kind of stuff. It is this, I, uh, well, <laughs> it just comes out like mush. And yeah. so the Democrats are going to have to make a decision. And that is, are we going to go down defeat with this guy? Or can we prop him up again and, and play the old Joe Biden from Scranton, nice guy with the Avery glasses and get him, get us across the finish line? And I don't think he can do it this time. I think people are on to him. Joe, the uniter, Joe is going to bring us together. That's not going to work. Not after his ultra mega semi-fascist speeches. So I think his culpability or innocence will depend on his value or lack of same to the Democratic Party. And at some magical moment, they're going to find him more liability than a potential savior. And that's going to allow the wheels of justice to proceed. And then I think they're going to say, you know what, we were, this is terrible what they're doing to Joe Biden. It's horrible. The right is just getting, but you know what? He, he, they forced him out and they made him resign. That's just horrible. And then they'll bring in, I guess, Gavin Newsom or somebody like that. Can't be Kamala Harris. Right. Hey, you know, Victor, I'm betting you know, that if any of this um, what the Daily Mail, which is not Daily Mail, is not insignificant. Actually, I, I believe it's the the most trafficked website. In I the think world. it is. I think it is one of the. It but, is. But, but you're not going to if you if you go to CBS, NBC, etc. So you're not going to New York Times, Washington Post. Uh, what's being reported here about Devin Archer? It's going to be hard to find. Now, well, when you're you'll be away, uh, and a lot of listeners should know that you're you're going to be traveling. But I bet. Next week, if there's any reporting on this, it is going to be hit pieces on Devin Archer, uh, because uh, that's that's the way our our media will handle this. So if if the recordings come out, if there's clear that that on two audio conversations, the big guy is is Joe Biden. He talked about getting his cut. 
we will be hearing more about Devin Archer than we will about Joe Biden. I, I don't know. That's my conspiracy theory, Victor. Any, do you think that's how the press might play this? Yeah, I think your premise is that the press is not objective or empirical. And to the degree they cover something or not cover it or accentuate something or de-emphasize something, it depends on the utility it is for the movement. For And who's going to determine that will be the people in the DNC, and then they'll in lockstep make the necessary adjustments. That was always true of Joe Biden. I mean, during the primary, before they saw how pathetic the candidacies were of Pete Buttigieg or Elizabeth Warren or Cory Booker or Kamala Harris, Joe Biden was a joke. I remember Cory Booker, when Joe Biden tried to say something and, you know, he couldn't finish what his 1-800 number was to call to give him money. Cory Booker just looked at him, what, what's going on with this guy? Who, you know? Kamala Harris called him a rate. Nobody wanted him. And then all of a sudden, when he when his handlers doled out gifts, you, Pete, you know, you, you're not going to be just a mayor of a 38,000 person city. You'll be transportation. Kamala, you'll be the first black vice president. And Bernie and Elizabeth, you're going to run the whole show. Your agenda is what I'm going to. Until that moment, the Democrats thought he was of no value. Because he had done it twice before, and he was an utter failure, and he was a plagiarist and a liar, and et cetera, et cetera, racist, and he had, he had to drop out. So we got to remember who he was and what his role was and how he got here. His, he's here for one purpose and one purpose only, to put a Bill Clinton-esque-like moderate facade veneer over what is the most radical, hard left agenda that's ever been in the White House. And to the degree he does that, they cover up for him. To the degree that he can't pull that off because he's 80, but his, he's biologically 95, he, he's of no use to them. And they're the most ruthless people in the world. And then we'll get rid of him. They'll find a way to do it. And, you know, if Fetterman, they'll tell us that he is perfectly well, there is nothing wrong with him. But the moment that guy doesn't physically show up in the Senate and vote and be told how to do it, he, he's no value to him. And they'll turn on him, just like they turned on Dianne Feinstein. She was the hero of the Kavanaugh hearings. They canonized yep. Dianne. And now she doesn't turn up for votes, and suddenly they lose their one-vote margin, and they're out to get her and push her out. Yes. And that's how they operate. And so we'll see. It, you know, it's kind of like the mafia. If you don't have utility, they get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody gets to retire. And everybody say, well, they all do that. Well, no, you know, you don't hear the talking point resonate. Every day through the Mueller, they would say, Mueller's picked his legal team, the dream team, the all-stars. Then you change channels, you turn on NPR. It was the exact same phraseology from the DNC that was coming out. Right. This You use whistle, uh, walls are closing in. You use bombshell. You use Trump uh, has met his Waterloo. Whatever the phrase was, they all echoed it in lockstep. That's how they operate. Well, and, and for years, Victor, they had the journo list, which was uh, a pr private uh, a list yeah. that journalists belong to, lefty journalists. Uh, they got exposed. It was about 10 years ago. But the, the, them all singing off the same song sheet remember, on a daily uh, basis. Hillary, yeah, remember Hillary's emails where we had a couple of New York Times 
reporter saying, what do you want me to do? I'm going to, I'm going to run this. Uh, I'm writing a story. I'm going to run it by you, John Podesta. I'm really a hack. This is embarrassing. But, you know, they, they admitted he, that guy was then promoted to the New York Times. So that's what they do. They're all in the same Soviet team in a sense. They have no individuality. Can you imagine trying to tell Rush Limbaugh, the RNC, you're going to have to say this or you should use this phraseology? He wouldn't do it. Oh, oh my gosh. What a joke that would be. No, he wouldn't yeah. do it. You can imagine. No. You think Tucker Carlson's going to, if the RNC calls up Tucker Carlson on his Twitter account and says, Tucker, we want you to say this, uh, the RNC, I don't think he's going to listen to one word they say. He, he might actually say the RNC called me up and they wanted me yeah. to say this. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. well, these well, people Victor, are not independent thinkers at all. Um, Let's... Uh, Let's get into two more important topics uh, worth your sharing your wisdom on. And and one of them is the news about uh, more evidence that the Wuhan lab was the origin of the leak. This is to me is like saying, did you know the news that the sun rises in the east? But uh, there is some really interesting news. And so I'm looking at a piece in the New York Post by Michael Schellenberger, and it's titled Blowing Their Cover-Up. Let me just read the first few uh, sentences here, Victor. It is no longer a question that the COVID-19 virus leaked from China's notorious Wuhan Institute of Virology Laboratory. What's more, this week, my colleagues Matt Taibbi and Alex Gutentag and I wrote the explosive story that the first three people sickened by the virus with the scientists experimenting with SARS-like coronaviruses. Sources within the U.S. government said that three of the earliest people to become infected were Ben Hu, Yu Ping, and Zan Zhu, Yan Zhu. All were members of the Wuhan lab, etc. Victor, it's kind of hard to believe that uh, our favorite person in the world, Anthony Fauci, uh, did not know of this, maybe sooner than later, maybe not immediately, and yet still maintained uh, the, uh, the the cover up. And I would say lies about uh, the gain of function funding, etc. But this is pretty uh, damning, damning news. What do you think might come of this, Victor, if anything? Well, this is the London, London Times, and these are not right-wing people. These are across the spectrum. We had Stephen Quay, the renowned um, doctor, neurobiologist, everything. And he, he has so many fields of expertise. And he was saying this a long time ago. He testified many times before Congress. Remember Tom Cotton said this like in 2020 and they went after him? I wrote, right. uh, I said that, I wrote an article and a woman, I think it was in Slate, attacked me for this, this and that. And then when the Stanford uh, Faculty Senate was trying to censor me, they, I had to go, They, I was given a list of uh, Fox News appearances to see if I'd said anything about the 2020 election or the origins of the Wuhan virus, which I had. Because anybody in their right mind knew it came from the, <laughs> you know, even uh, what was this, John Stewart or the guy that was at comedy show, you know, and he was. Oh the, yeah, right. He, he was, was on. Being, he was on Stephen Colbert's show. And Colbert was still yeah. a fossilized 
party right. mind. And he said, the, he said, COVID came from Wuhan. The world's most reckless <laughs> advanced virus lab is in Wuhan. People got sick in the Wuhan lab. <laughs> what more do I have to tell you? China was not letting anybody travel outside Wuhan. And they were allowing people to travel to L.A., San Francisco, New York. So even he knew it. Everybody knew it. Yeah. The scariest thing is these reports that are coming out. And that was in the London Times, too, that we might have missed the bullet with SARS-2 escaping because that was the initial step in much more serious, deadly 25 percent of the host dying in laboratory experiments of more sophisticated viruses that the Chinese were working on. That would, I mean, this was run by the people. Why would the People's Liberation Army even have anything to do with it? You know, if it wasn't a bioweapon and they were working on vaccines and they, you know, the, their virology expertise is not up to ours. And yet they came out pretty quickly with a vaccine for it. Not as quickly quite as we did, but they had been working on it. And you can see where all this is leading. They were trying to find a vaccine that either they could get every they could mix in with a regular flu vaccine and not tell anybody and vaccinate the whole population. Or they could create a virus that would protect DNA that were Chinese or something. That's how they were thinking. That's not a conspiracy. There's a lot of evidence for that. And. That's what they were trying to do. And they and they it got aborted. It, it got out. And they somebody said, well, that's not true. And then all they have to do is tell us it's not true. All they have to do is say, come in, look at all the records, interview all the people. Well, we won't have any retaliations. Just come in. I know we've killed 50 million people worldwide. We feel terrible about it. We shouldn't have been doing it. Here's the record. They won't do that. Instead, what they try to do is call people racist. They try right. to pay off people. Uh, Peter Dosick, the Echo Health, he was giving them expertise and money from Fauci. The whole thing about Fauci, people I don't think still, my God, Rand Paul really understands this. That's why he's such a bulldog on Fauci. The central problem with Anthony Fauci is not that he's a narcissist. He is. Not that he's an egomaniac. He is. Not that he's starving for celebrity status he is not that he's arrogant sob he is not that he's incompetent for given what he should have been doing he is the problem with anthony fauci is he knew that it was against the law to engage in gain of function whether he was cynical or he actually believed that the process was of some utility or he was naive about the chinese or whatever the reason he approved money that went to Echo Health that he knew was going to the Wuhan lab. And they were conducting the type of dangerous, dangerous research that was outlawed in the United States under conditions that were far less uh, careful and observant of international protocols. And he knew that. And when that virus leaked, he went crazy. And you could see it from those redacted emails. And by the way, that was not a classified document, his email exchanges. 
with Francis Collins and others. And yet they, when they released those, those were redacted, kind of like the FBI document. They redacted even though it wasn't classified. And so he, his whole essence right now and from the moment of COVID was trying to deny, deny, deny that he was in any way culpable. And so right out from the beginning, he said it was a bat or a pangolin. And then when the evidence showed he was a completely bankrupt, then he said, well, he developed a new fusion thesis. Remember that it, it could have been uh, a pangolin or a bat virus that they were experimenting and they'd extract it from a pangolin. And then it was in the lab as a pangolin virus and it wasn't gain of function, but it escaped that way. It was strained credulity. Credulity, And so everybody knows what his central dilemma is. And he has a rendezvous with total disgrace. He understands that. He's 80 years old. He's just a heartthrob for a shrinking number of leftists who feel that he was the anti-Trump, the anti-Scott Atlas, the anti-freedom to do it, you know, to do what you want as an American, rather than to be locked down. And almost everything he said the back, don't worry about the vaccinations, Jack. Don't worry about it. Because if you get vaccinated, you won't infect anybody and you won't be infected. And if some idiot wants to go and take us, that's okay. Well, that, that lasted about a nanosecond. And then the moment they had those break, breakthrough infections, and as you remember, late summer of 21, then all of a sudden it was public enemy number one was a person who doesn't get vaccinated. And then there was, no, this is perfectly safe. This is perfectly safe. And, and it was all, it was all a lie. And yeah. everything he said was a lie. And also and he, depraved, Victor, this gain of function and two things. It's like, it's on its, if even Obama thinks there's something morally wrong with it, that's, and then if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with the, the one country that other than Korea, maybe would definitely use it to kill people. There's two. There's two great things. There's two great dangers to humanity, and it's not the atomic bomb, and it's not climate change. It's gain of function bio biology, and it's artificial intelligence. Unfortunately for us, they're both centered and focused on and specialized by in China, and the Chinese hate us. The only other the other danger is that the people in our country that experiment with or do research with artificial intelligence, so many of them come out of Silicon Valley. That's a morally bankrupt place. It's highly ideological, political and weaponized. So we got to be very careful, as we saw with these algorithms that warp the searches on Google or, you know, we saw with Facebook and Twitter censoring information. You add that artificial intelligence intelligence accelerator and you've got a real monster and the same thing with biology and the chinese the chinese are the scariest system i think in the history of civilization chinese communism it's really scary and i don't know why when you know what i don't understand is this jack every once in a while pentagon guy comes up and he says in public china's our chief threat and say you're watching Fox News and they say, you know, they go, oh, Biden appeased them in Anchorage. Biden appeased them with the balloon. Biden appeased them with the, the biology lab. Bi Biden appeased them when they ram our, try to ram our ships or get too close to our jets. True, 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 true. 
But then they show these clips. Have you seen the clips of the march, the perfect order? They look like Nazi soldiers. They turn their head at the right moment in perfect unison. They have these battle tanks. They show their missiles to scare us. And for me, it has a different effect. It's, wait a minute, that missile looks like our missile. Wow. That type of tank design looks like our tank design. Wow. Even the uniforms are the same. Even the chest of metals are the same. Does anybody understand what these people are doing? They're sending 380,000 students over here and lock, stock and barrel. They are leaping, leapfrogging and jumping over decades of trial and error research and just stealing our stuff. And then they're Xeroxing it and doing just their military has the same equipment, the same everything as ours. They look the same. They can't even be imaginative. Why why don't they have a uniform that reflects traditional Chinese custom and practice, right? Couldn't they do that? I mean, they have a, a, a glorious martial tradition. Why don't they do that? But even the uniforms are the same. Can't they have a new, a radical new design of Chinese trucks? Or tr- can't they say, you know what, this is how the West makes jets. But we have our own science because everybody believes in relativism anyway. This is a Chinese jet. Maybe it'll have three wings huh? or seven engines or something. But they've just they've just stolen all of our military equipment. It's a, it's really quite stunning what they do. And nobody seems to say much about it. And if you do what I just said, I'll get some letter from somebody. You had a racist rant and you accused Chinese students of stealing. No, I've said before, it's 1% are actively engaged. Although most students, when they leave China, are advised that at some point they will be debriefed by the Chinese Communist Party, you know, apparat. But 1% is, you know, 3,000 plus people who are actively engaged in accessing us and that's just students. Just students. Never mind uh, yeah. the 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 um, leverage they hold over other Chinese nationals or even American citizens of Chinese descent who are here. Oh. But it will will take care of grandma back home if you don't do X, Y or Z. And, uh, and if you say that Stanford University, where I work, hired a Chinese neuroscientist who was a member of the People's Liberation Army here for spying, and she just disappeared once they indicted her. And if you say the Confucius Institutes are uh, centers to spy on students to make sure they're not becoming Americanized, and that's the good take on it, then you get a Stanford faculty petition saying this is racist, that you're fixating on the Chinese uh, expatriate. But this is what's so strange that we're a society in complete paralysis. We, we, you know, when I get in these moods, I go back and read Livy's description of what was the Roman, the late Roman Republic was like. And if if you know what the disease is and you cannot apply the medicine because it's either worse than the disease or you're afraid to do it, then you're stuck. And so on all these issues we talk about, you know, Jack, we know how to solve the homeless problem. We do know how to solve the crime period, crime problem. We did it. Giuliani did it. We know how to solve the energy problem. We know how to solve the military recruitment problem. We know how to do all this, but we can't do it. Because to do so would, I guess, make us feel less than saintly. 
and or or that we wouldn't feel good about ourselves or we right. wouldn't be we wouldn't be liked by the right people or, so or we we'd have do. to say there are certain norms and yeah. uh and if you if if things if you set norms then then people who are outside the norm somehow you're you're treating them unjustly so everybody you know I, I when joe biden said we have your back at that recent talk about transgenderism i'm thinking well, wait a minute if you're going to collectivize all transgendered people as saintly and all, everybody else especially white male heterosexuals as the oppressing class then you're just inviting stereotypes so at your own White House, was it some white male guy that pulled down his pants? No, it was a transgender person who either exposed his breast scar tissue in a gross fashion or his pseudo breast or who or who's covering up a manifesto. We still haven't seen the manifesto of the Tennessee killer. Why is that? Who who showed up to kill Kavanaugh? It was a transgendered person. Uh, so. As I said to Sammy, if you're going to start stereotyping people as collectives, as Biden does, and his little simplistic, you know, cookie cut out world of simplicity, it's I'm the I'm the father of all the transgendered people. They're my children. I'm protecting and they're all the same. And there's all these people out there that are out to get them. And then when you actually look at the facts. I don't see Catholics going out and trying to demonize transgender people. I see transgender right. people. I was telling Sammy, you know, I mean, this Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, just a complete facade, what they actually do. They've convinced everybody that they're some kind of charity organization and they would never insult anybody, Jack. They don't want to be any way offensive. They just mock themselves. And then all of these transphobic people are out to get them. It'd be very interesting to see what they actually do when they get to Dodger Stadium, because on the one hand, their constituent wants to see what they became famous for. And that would be, you know, simulating sex with a cross or putting Jesus in a sexually promiscuous mode or making fun of nuns as sort of horny perverts or making fun of the Catholic protocols or... Will they not do any of that? Don't do their because they're under scrutiny. And it'll be very, also very interesting to see what will be the reaction of the Hispanic community in greater Los Angeles. Will they go to the game and boo or will there be nobody there? It'd be kind of interesting to see. Well, um, you know, Victor, they have um, disrupted Catholic masses. I saw some guy on Twitter saying, you know, my, my daughter's confirmation, they came in and, and destroyed it. Uh, whatever charity they're engaged in is, is, is BS. This is the, the sisters. And I'd love, I'd, I'd love to see them do the imams of the perpetual indulgence. Um, you know. Yeah. I, I, I just know they, that would last one second. And I mean, I wrote an article called push the, envelope but they're pushing 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 it and they're in everybody's face and they're unapologetic if there's children of drag show then that's that's okay if there's books about instructing people in trans sex and it's in a library with you know diagram then that's okay too and get with it and same thing with homelessness if a guy is 
defecating, injecting, urinating, fornicating, it's your problem, not his. Or if, as California is is going to pass the Senate where the shopkeeper, business owner cannot uh, try to intervene and stop somebody stealing from him. If you keep doing that and doing that and doing that, then the response to it, the pushback accelerates because it gets pent up and it gets people very frustrated. Yeah, and that, that's okay. I've seen it before. I've seen it in my lifetime. So have you, because we saw it with Jimmy Carter. Right. We had, we had come off, you know, Jerry Ford and, and Nixon and the Watergate had empowered him. And he brought in a lot of crazy people. He started saying he had no in, inordinate fear of communism. He started lecturing us about how bad we were. He got in every night and tried to contextualize the Iranian revolution rather than just deal with it and people just saw the stagflation and finally they said we're sick of, we're not just sick of him we're sick of everything he represents yeah you had 12 years uh of reagan and bush and and i think that's i mean it's never in perpetuity but i think people are just sizing this woke left stuff up and they said you know I've got to make a choice. It's either civilization or extinction because you cannot have a civilization where people walk in and brazenly walk out with somebody else's property. You cannot have a civilization where people in 1231 London fashion or 900 AD in Paris are defecating or urinating everywhere just doesn't work. You can't do it. You can't have a civilization where the in the sitting president basically indicts his likely presidential opponent. Just doesn't work. So I think people are going to say, you know what? I have to get involved. I've got to speak out because if I don't, it's starting to mean that the basic system, the grid's not going to work. The traffic right. doesn't move. The planes crash. It doesn't work anymore, this woke stuff, destroying meritocracy. And I think that you're going to see, I'm very confident that you're going to see a big, as uh, Van Jones says, a big backlash. He called it a white lash. Remember? This yeah. Is a man, yeah. I, I never understood quite what he had done. Uh, he was the green czar. And all I could think of was uh, the <laughs> old Valerie, you know. Was it, yes. Valerie said, ooh, ah, we've been looking at him a long time. That was all I think he'd ever done. Oh, well, maybe he may have done more than Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Valerie Jarrett, oohs and ahs, and then that that earns something. But he he was the one that when Trump said, at least he saw that it was a backlash, he called it a white lash. It wasn't. Well, it was just just people in the lower and middle classes that said, I'm sick of it. Yeah. And I think... I think, unfortunately, a lot of people were deluded by Biden. One of the slickest campaign ad scams I've ever seen in a campaign, what they did in 2020 under the guise of COVID. They put a guy in a basement who was totally inert, and then they created a complete composite fake that he was old Joe Biden, was a wonderful guy, and he was not going to tweet like Trump, and it worked. Well, Victor, on the backlash, uh, last week, Gallup released a poll titled Social Conservatism in U.S. Highest in About a Decade. And uh, it says more Americans this year, 38 percent say they are very conservative or conservative on social issues than said so in 2022 and 2021. 2021 was 30 percent. So in two years, 
there's an 8% increase. Yeah, I know it's on social issues, but I think it's things like what is happening today in real time, June 16th, these sisters, um, this uh, endlessness of this Pride Month. Victor, you may get in trouble. You're leaving the country. You're not going to be here to celebrate it till the very last day of June. But people are exhausted by the expectation of not tolerance, but genuflecting to to all this madness. So anyway, this know, yeah, it's, like- it's it, it, you're absolutely right. It's, I, I, I can't compare what I mean, if you had and I had this conversation just four years ago. And we had gone, either one of us had visited San Francisco. We would say it's it's just bustling or New York at midnight, you know, or the million dollar mile in Chicago. I know it's bad and all that, but it was still a place where people could function. Or we were talking about the general scene right right on the right on the eve of COVID. And woke was kind of a joke, and transgenderism was sort of out there, but nobody really cared. Let them do what they want. And then all of a sudden it became every an obsession of 0.0001% of the population. It was a litmus test of whether you were condemned and canceled or you were okay, your position on it. And it was mean-spirited and it was nasty. And the people who were promoting it were storming in meetings and screaming and yelling. And then they were we were told they were victims. It was it was very weird. I we saw a lot of that in the 60s, and then we saw it in the Carter administration, and then we saw it with these insane fads, you know, pet rocks and hula hoops and and what were those little chila chia chia pets are still there, Victor. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean everybody once you get a democracy, like Herodotus said, once you get a people going, it's much easier to to get anything done with mass hysteria than it is with smaller groups of you know different opinion people he was comparing oligarchy to democracy and he said you know it's not basically he said and i mentioned that i think before in the context of the of whether the spartans were going to support the ionian revolt it's it's much harder to to persuade a few outspoken oligarchs to do something than it is 30,000 athenians because once somebody goes, yeah, on to Ionia, then it's, shoo, they all go, you know. Yes. And so. Well, we have we have a little more madness to talk about, Victor, and, and that's one of your favorite places, the Pentagon. And we'll get to that right after this final important message. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I do want to uh, ask our listeners if they kindly visit civilthoughts.com and sign up for Civil Thoughts, the free weekly email newsletter I write for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil where we are trying desperately to strengthen civil society. I give 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that area, recommended uh, readings of, of things I've come across the previous week. Here's an excerpt. Here's the link. You'll enjoy it, I think. So anyway, um, no risk, no charge, or simple thoughts. Um, now, Victor, that said, let me get to this um article, uh, this again, Daily Mail, which I'm on several times a day. I mean, it's updates throughout the day, and they really are on top of a lot of the madness happening around the world. Space Force, that's our military. Space Force General gives blistering speech at Pentagon Pride event, slamming more than 400 anti-LGBTQ state-level bills she claims are forcing her to hire, quote-unquote, less qualified candidates. This is Lieutenant General Deanna Burt. She made the remarks at a, a DOD Pride event um, this past week. She said that state laws hostile to LGBTQ rights are impacting transfers and promotions, and that family circumstances could make transfers to come uh, to some states, transfers to some states, a problem. So this is um, this is our military supposedly defending our nation. And when when did and the uh, when did a high ranking military official, whether in civilian or military capacity? comment on transgenderism let's just take some dates 2002 2009 2015 was that on their radar jack or did transgendered people only exist now why didn't she say this 10 years ago or is it part of a fad that she wants to ride the wave up is that what it is because i never heard any of this before and if that's true then whatever the particular fad is then the military feels that what for budgeting or because the Democrats control the Senate and the presidency, they got to have the talking points. Is that it? I mean, what is if if she is the head of Space Force, there's a lot of issues she could discuss. And this is where we get down to why woke is so toxic, isn't it? The Chinese are launching dozens of satellites every week. They have a strategy that if they get into a tense confrontation with the United States, they're going to take out all of our satellites. That's what she should be talking about. They are racing to get to the moon. They've got all sorts of agendas from commercial mining to defense. And that should keep her up at night, all night long. And if that doesn't keep her up, she should ask herself why the Army is fifteen to 16,000 troops short. The Air Force is... Uh, the Navy is 6,000, the Air Force is 5,000, and that is a critical problem. 
And I know one thing, the Pentagon believes very strongly that it has nothing to do with what things that she's talking about. That is that the high hierarchy is perceived in the Pentagon and in the military, Pentagon meaning civilian and uniformed, they are very sensitive that this transgender advocacy, which she's talking about, or the woke indoctrination or the Millie Austin white rage has nothing, nothing to do with why people aren't joining us because they're fat or they're in gangs or they're on drugs. But that just happened now. You see, all of a sudden we had an epidemic of obesity and video games. It just happened in the last two years since 2020. We never had fat kids or we had video addicted kids. So that's why they're not joining the military. That's what we're told. I can tell you that everybody in the military has that line. So they are wedded. The only mystery to me is when Millie or Austin or any of these people go down the transgendered or the white rage or the woke pathway, why do they do it? Why do they? I don't believe they're sincere people because many of these issues were they could have done it prior to 2020. They do it because they sense either A, that right now at this point, the Democrats control the Congress, uh, at least you can say they control the Senate and they have the presidency and they have the bureaucracy and therefore to get budgets or perks or whatever, you have to deal with them. And the Republicans are kind of impotent right now. That might be one or a lot of these people uh, will go in from the corporate world to these positions and they will go out of these positions into the corporate world. And we know from Disney and Target and the LA Dodgers and Anheuser-Busch, we know what the corporate world wants. And so they make, as I always say, the necessary adjustments. But she's not talking about what her job is. That's my point. And that's the big problem with diversity, equity, inclusion. It's not just the harm they do. It's the sin of omission, that they're not doing what they're supposed to do because they're distracted. And so you end up with things like pride flags flying from Kabul, George Floyd murals, gender studies at the University of Kabul, and $50 billion of equipment abandoned, and people fleeing from their lives, and Millie lying about collateral damage and saying that innocent civilians that we blew the hell out or that nobody seems to take the responsibility why 13 Marines were blown up. That's what you get with wokeness, commissars. And it's, it's something that's really, I know I'm kind of obsessing on it, but I think it's an existential problem to this country. It really is. Countries don't decline or they don't collapse or implode very often from foreign invasion. And, you know, I'm writing this book and I can tell you that Constantinople could have held out. The problem wasn't the Ottomans were overwhelming. I mean, in the siege of Vienna in 1683, there were only 20,000 people and they held out an army of 100,000. So you could argue that seven to 10,000 on the walls, they could have held out, but there was something wrong within the walls. There was something wrong in France in 1940 and May 10th. That French army was indomitable. It had held out the Germans. They died in droves tragically at Verdun. They had the greatest motto in the history of warfare, they shall not pass. But that wasn't the generation. Mark Bloch called a strange 
defeat. That wasn't the generation of 1940. They just collapsed in mass through six weeks. So that's what I'm really worried about. I think we're all worried about that we are, this isn't American homicide. It's not the Chinese are killing us. The Chinese would be nothing right now if we were at our prime or we could be. They'd be nothing. We could just tell them, you know what? You're not going to have any more dumping. You're not going to have any more copyright infringement, no more patent infringement, no more huge trade surpluses, no more 360, 380,000 students in the United States. It's going to be tit for tat symmetrical for every one student that we have in China. You have one here, period, period. You're not going to get any virology stuff from us. And all these companies are going to have to go elsewhere. And that would be the end of it. But we're, we're so compromised, I guess, fiddling while we're burning up. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, uh, Victor. I gotta, I, we have to have a happy note. <laughs> well, you say. I, you, I got, you, I got you, into my you Say that with, with Sammy. You do the happy with the beginning of your podcast. So I know. Are, I got so. into my Eeyore, Eeyore mode, Sammy. That's okay. That's, uh, you got to, you got to. You got to be true to yourself. Um, so, Victor, we thank our listeners for listening. We always do this. And um, we read the comments that they leave on both Victor's website after articles and after you know comments on these podcasts, and at, at, particularly at Apple and iTunes. People can rate the, the podcast zero to five stars. And this show has over a 4.9 average. So most people are leaving f- a five Stars, that's for Victor's uh, wisdom that he shares every week. And we thank folks for doing that. Some leave uh, comments. And here's uh, two. One's very short. Um, brilliant, but please pipe down Jack. Quote, Jack is too long-winded. End quote. Ken, Ken Goose, G-U-S-E. Ken Goose. Okay. I'm, I'm too long-winded. It's your show, Victor. You're supposed to be. Well, I know, but I, I think my problem is that I don't talk. I, I don't have a lot of uh, social action where I work. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm venting with my friends that are the audience. Okay. Victor, as you, we've said it before, this this podcast is typically in the top 10 of the nation's political podcasts. And we're the only one, maybe the top 100 that are done the way it's done. No, wait, I mean, wait, like, wait, wait, no, wait, 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 I resent that. If you look at, you haven't seen my new little uh, annex that we built out of my 1871 garage. Yeah, you? but I'm talking about, my, I'm I'm on a, I'm oh, on a you, desk next to my bed, next to a closet. I got a, listen, I got a separate microphone over Amazon and okay. it's plugged into my laptop and I'm looking out the window out. and Spike yeah, and Spotty and Spark yeah. uh-huh. are on their Queensland best today sleeping. That's good. Well, and so we have a quiet studio and I don't have any neon, but, you know, I'm going to try to do some videos. I will have to do something. But Oh, yeah, that'll be that will be terrific. Yeah. But Victor, when the dogs do bark in the background, that's that's quaint and, and, and nice and people love that. Well, anyway, that's the kind of uh, uh, like pirate radio garage band uh, production we do. Let me just read one other uh, comment, please, before we go. And and if you, I'll give, it's a question, but you have to answer it in a very short period of time, or maybe we'll save it for a longer, for another day. And it's this is from Jal XP3. 
It's titled Jur- Jur- Jury Nullification, question mark. Great podcast. I listen every day. What do you think about the concern that perceived FBI and DOJ corruption and asymmetry of justice will lead to jury nullification by angry Americans? That would be a catastrophe for our rule of law. It already happened. It already happens. They all jury shop or they want change of venues. So basically, the story is right now that if you want to convict somebody of a controversial charge that probably does not have a lot of merit, then you preferably, if it's a high-ranking official, you want to be in the Washington, D.C., New York corridor. Right. Barring that, you want to be in one of these failed blue cities. And barring that, you want to be in a blue state. And if you want a traditional jury and the left doesn't, but the right does, then you try to have some red state. There's not very many red big cities. And most of these trials are in big cities where you have, you know, federal and state courthouses and jurisdictions that are centered. So, I mean, nobody's having a change of venue to Bakersfield or Akron, Ohio, or, uh, you know, Casper, Wyoming. But that's where you'd get a traditional jury. That's really scary what's happening because they're they're nullifying verdict after verdict. When John Durham did that methodical report and you read it, you would think that it was so well documented in research, you thought that that would, it was so egregious the type of conduct that he delineated, you would think that that would have led to 50 or 60 indictments. But then what he was basically saying after he learned was Sussman, Sussman was obviously guilty. I mean, the guy lied and he was the front man in all of these schemes. And he he went before a jury and it was no chance at all. So I, I don't I think one of the reasons he didn't indict people after that point was what's the point? They're just, the defense lawyers are just going to try him and say he's either transphobic or racist or homophobic or this or that. And he hates you, the jury. And some of it's racial, some of it's class, but some of it's ideological. But we're no we're nullifying verdicts. All yeah. the time. It reminds that- me so much when I was in uh, six or seven, six or seven years, eight, eight, nine. I went to a school where there was 95% Mexican-American or Mexican nationals. And there was only about eight of us that were so-called white. And I remember I wrote about it once. A guy named Jimmy Hobson was a white guy, poor guy from the Oklahoma migration very dirt poorer than any of the mexican kids and we were on a team and he was the captain every they split the class in two and jimmy was there and he picked (laughs) for our dodgeball he picked eight white guys the only eight white guys and there were all these teams you know picking and they picked mexican guys and then finally there was the most uncoordinated guy left nobody wanted him they were very cruel in those days. And he was white and all the Mexican teams had overpassed. And then it was our our choice. But there was 10 or 12 really talented, like nine-year-old Mexican athletes. And I said, Jimmy, Jimmy, Becker, I'm going to do this now. I said, but we got to get Juan. He said, no, we're going to get Georgie. <laughs> I said, why? I said something like he's he can't even kick kick a ball or throw. He's white, Victor. He's white. 
look at what they're doing. They're all picking Mexican kids. So I'm going to stand up for the white guy. I thought, oh, my God, what's going on? And I saw that happen when people, you know, for their own protection or their sense of racialism or chauvinism, they start tribalizing. The only difference now is that when you do it and you're not white, it's acceptable, but it's not going to be acceptable because these are ancient laws. Everybody should read the first book of Thucydides' history. You know, he starts out not with the Peloponnesian War. He starts out with what Greece was like before the city-state, and it was nomadic tribes. <laughs> He's, he just lays it out. There was no civilization as we know it. They were just tribal people. And that's how uh, it's so funny about this identity politics. It is so pre-civilizational. It's back to the basic elements of human pathology that we're just going to make decisions based on the way we look. Yeah. And, and it's, that's uh, maybe Hobbes didn't say this, but it's uh, that, that kind of life is dull. Nasty, brutish, and short, I, I would yeah, assume. dull, nasty, solitary, brutish, and short. That's what it is. It's a bellum omnium contra omnes, war of everybody against everybody. And when that happens, people will, they will join up with a tribe that they feel they can get the most protection with. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of worried about it. You know, I, I said to Sammy, uh, I was sitting at a major uh, traffic stop uh, on a Highway 152, about two-thirds of the way to Stanford from here. And I was sitting, eating by myself the day before yesterday, and at least eight people came up, and they were all from the lower middle classes, I think, maybe two exceptions. They were the nicest people in the world. They were, they were all white working people, and they all said the same thing. We, we like your podcast, we, but we, we have nobody speaking for us. Everybody hates us. And we're met, we're sick of it. And I don't see that I'm talking about race, but what I'm trying to get as they are saying that they are now being forced to think of themselves for the first time as I know the left said, well, no, no, that was systemic. They knew that all the time. It was just insane. No, it wasn't. You are creating an entire alternate identity. Right. People's self-protection. And I, I can sense it with strangers. Well, you, 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 I watch it. Watching a TV show, commercial break, six, seven, eight commercials come on, right? Yeah. Not a single white guy in any of them. You're not, why am I even looking for it? But these things are noticeable right now. I, I've looked at the data before the George Floyd African-Americans were in about 20% of 10, 15 to 20% of ads, and they were 12 to 13% of the population. Now they're in about 55 to 65%. And so that's an obvious... You know, it's post George Floyd. Let's do our part, and and but it doesn't reflect reality. That's what I'm trying to say. Right, That's not, right. It, you have to reflect reality, whether you like it or not. Well, like, whether it's there or it's at college admissions or whatever. Right? They're not. And that's what that's what Target and Disney don't don't understand. They're these elite people that come out of these MBA programs, and they're going to push this down, but they don't. The transgender let a little narcissistic egomaniac like. Mr. Mulvaney, uh, to, to go on and talk about his transition and not about the quality of the beer or why he likes it or why you should like it. Right. And then who, who dreamed that up? Some guy could only be in a sheltered MBA woke program. 
Oh, and then there's no who, yeah. who hated who hated the regular customers who hated. who know that they're hated. So you know, well, and we'll see. Got, we'll see yeah, what we, happens. Right. They, well, they deserve to, they deserve every billion they lost. It's, yeah, and it, and it keeps it, the, the the losses continue. Hey, Victor, that's all the time we have, okay. and you've been great. Thanks so much. Thanks, folks, for listening, and we'll we will be back with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.